0: Anyway, it is so good to see all of you, and I'm so glad to be back in the saddle. We just finished up an incredible series with my wife and I, titled Come to the Table. And if you missed last week, I'd encourage you guys to listen to the podcast. My wife and I taught together for the very first time, and uh, it was fun, and it was humorous, and uh, it it was powerful. And I enjoyed being up here with my wife and seeing what God's doing in her life. It's been enjoyable to watch the journey of how the Lord is transforming her to become everything He wants her to be. And one of the greatest things that, and I can say this because she's not here now. One of the greatest things that I have, have learned in watching my wife is what God's doing in His bride in the church. And my wife has been this personification in a lot of ways to me personally of what the, what the Lord is doing with his bride and his church all over the world. And so the message that she got come to the table was really designed around preparing our hearts for the return of Christ to come to his table and that every day the Lord prepares a table for us now. And David understood that thousands of years ago in Psalm 23 when he said, the Lord prepares a table for me before my enemies. And then... Uh, Old Testament says that when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he'll make even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so in the new covenant, in the new Testament, it's called the gospel of peace. Remember that, it's the gospel of peace. It's the good news of peace. So when your world is full of chaos, confusion, darkness, addiction, hurts, pains, fears, strife, division, sleepless nights, nightmares, I can keep going down the list. I know firsthand the things that we all battle with because I go through them myself. I'm not immune to them. The wind and the rain and the floods beat on the house built on the sand and the rock. Never, ever forget that. And if you fall into the trap of comparing yourself with me or another believer and how come my life's this way and their life's that way and why isn't my life this way and Then you'll fall into the lie that David fell into, or I'm sorry, Asaph, the chief musician, fell into in Psalm 73, when he believed that the world had no problems. And he believed a lie that everybody else had it better than him, and now he's trying to serve the Lord and he's suffering all the time, but look at the rich, Psalm 73. You have to always have perspective. In every area of your life, to understand times and seasons and struggles and battles and transitions. You understand the past, the present and the future. God reveals his mysteries so that you don't have to live in the dark. Living in the dark is not biblical. Blind faith is not in the Bible. You won't find blind faith anywhere. In fact, that's a oxymoron, that is a lie. Faith is confidence, faith is assurance. We're gonna talk about confidence and assurance this morning. And I encourage you guys to write a few of these things down. You can write them on your phone, your iPad, tablet, or you can listen to this message next Friday because they come out every Thursday. Forgetfulness of God's past deliverance diminishes one's confidence in the face of present conflict. Let me say it again. Forgetfulness of God's past deliverance diminishes one's confidence in the face of present conflict. As soon as you start to forget, you start believing lies, you lose your confidence, your faith, your trust, and your ability to overcome everything the enemy throws your way. Now, there's two understandings to that. All of us have to get past experiences. And you know when a past experience starts? Right now. You can't keep waiting for tomorrow. The Bible has a lot to say about today and we're gonna talk about that. I wrote it this way. Yesterday's experience with God is today's strength in overcoming tomorrow's conflict. I define strength as faith, confidence, trust, resilience, fortitude, and the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord's your strength. I'm resilient, I have fortitude, I'm confident, I'm bold, I'm strong in the Lord and I'm strong because of the experiences that I've had prior to now and I understand that I'll be strong tomorrow because of what happens today. I say it this way, today is tomorrow's yesterday. You guys have probably heard that before, I didn't coin that phrase I couldn't remember where I heard it from, but it popped up in my head just out of the blue yesterday as I was writing, today is tomorrow's yesterday. When you think about yesterday from now, you think about the fact that it's gone and what you went through or didn't go through or experienced or didn't experience affects every single day that we live. And so there's constant conflict, adversity, trials, tribulations, hardship, all of us go through it. I don't have time to tell you. I did a timeline. I called it a timeline of trouble from one year to now. You wouldn't believe how many bullet points. I might read it to you guys next week. I called it a timeline of trouble. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but to take heart because he overcame it. I got really beat up this week. I, this is... I, I experienced some of the hardest things this week that was like the culmination of an entire year of adversity. I'm talking about some very difficult things. On Monday night, I went to the restroom and I started to feel nauseous in the middle of the night and I had this thing called vasovagal where I had a sudden loss of blood pressure and I blacked out and smacked my head and my lip. I had to get five stitches in my head and four in my lip. I was in a pool of blood on the floor. Five days later, two nights ago, I whacked the middle of my head on the car door and I had blood gushing down all over my head. Now, if I were to do a timeline of what I've been through in the last year up till this time, you know, people say I'm the poster child of suffering and I say, no, I'm more an apostle to the storm. Because all that suffering and hardship does is make you stronger when you look at it, right? We're in a war, and the enemy hates you, and the minute that you become passive and the minute that you begin to stop fighting is the moment that you become captured. I wrote, past experience plus today's confidence equals overcoming pain, conflict, and hardship every day. The Bible makes it clear that having encounters and personal experiences with God causes us to become more established. You have to have encounters and experiences with the Lord. You cannot keep living off yesterday's bread, Amen. which is why the Lord commanded the Israelites to, gain, to get just enough manna for each day and to not hoard it up for themselves except for only one day of the week so that they'd have enough for a day of rest. Every day, God has new and fresh provision for you. But if you keep living on yesterday's experience, you're malnourished, It's like skipping a meal. Some of you, if if I told you to skip a meal a day for the next 40 days, you'd be like in torment, especially if I said breakfast tacos. But experiences cause your faith to grow. And there can be simple experiences. I'm not talking about uh, sensationalism. I'm not talking about emotionalism. Hearing God's voice daily, daily bread is an experience. I experienced the Lord today because I heard his voice and how much he loved me and cared for me and had a hope and a future for me. And he brought revelation and insight to the circumstances that I'm facing and gave me the strength and the fortitude to overcome it because he's delivered me from so much in my past. My desire to be an alcoholic, my desire to do any of the things that I used to do, my desire for drugs, I'm free of that. I have fully been delivered of those things. And all of us have to go through a deliverance process. So deliverance is part of salvation. In fact, the name Jesus means deliver. The simple understanding of deliverance is that God breaks bondage or things that hold you captive out of your life. They can be the most simplest of things. We don't have to over-spiritualize it. In this room, there's people struggling with a lot of, all of us are struggling with a lot of different things. But God has this process of bringing freedom and healing and deliverance in our life, and it makes us stronger as time goes by. Then when more obstacles come our way, we have fortitude and resilience because God has delivered us from so much before. Even when the Israelites got to the promised land, it wasn't a pizza party, the minute that they got into the promised land this is the minute they faced Jericho. And all they had to do was be obedient, obedient and stand still multiple times to see the deliverance or the Yeshua, deliverance, Old Testament deliverance, Yeshua of the Lord. Jesus' name is woven everywhere in the Old Testament as a healer, a deliverer. It's the gospel of Peace. I love Romans 1, 11, and 12. I tell it to you guys a lot. And I'm gonna give you a little new understanding on it this morning. Paul says, I'm longing to visit you that I'd impart a spiritual gift so that you'd be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both you and me. Let me break it down to you this way. Go back to verse 11. Impartation from someone else plus a spiritual gift from God equals a personal establishment in your faith and a mutual benefiting with other like-minded believers. And in this case, it took a preacher or an apostle or a minister to travel and visit and take a spiritual gift from God, Impart, not his gift, because the Holy Spirit gives a gift to each of us. Okay, so this understanding of impartation, I had to pay a price to get what I have and it comes with greater maturity. Everybody has to go through that process. But because I'm confident in who I am and the experiences that I have had, I can now help you to have an experience from the Holy Spirit. And then verse 12 says that we mutually benefit together in our faith. You know what the word mutual benefiting is? It's it's the understanding of reciprocation. It means that you're no longer alone in your faith. It means that now that we both have had a like minded experience of being born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, His presence, I mean, the worship, we have a mutual benefiting in worship with the way this church worships because we've all had, most of us have had experiences and we're longing for new, fresh experiences. Remember, Christianity is experience based, not logic and intellect based. And you have to be careful because your logic and intellect will always try to disregard or explain away your experiences. God wants us to be able to reciprocate. So when you got rocked by the Holy Spirit or you had this profound dream or the Holy Ghost filled up your car during your intimate time or drive to work or your shower at home or whatever it was, God came so strong. You know, I have Billy, our general contractor here. And Billy, who has been with me now for 11 years, Billy had this experience happen for a long time where there would be this smell of tea around his life. And everybody would come around and be like, what's that smell? And and he doesn't drink tea. But he kept having this smell of tea around him. Now you can try to explain that away, but you can't deny the fact that people constantly, multiple, multiple people were smelling the smell, and even he was overwhelmed by it. like. Watery eyed, goosebumps, blown away by this experience he was having. And so when he talked to me about it, I'm like, man, that is so awesome. Yeah, I've heard about that Rose of Sharon thing, and maybe, you know, this is a white rose type tea. I don't know what it is. I mean, I can't fully try to explain it away except to say that the Holy Spirit, God, does signs and wonders and supernatural things. And what would happen is, is that smell would cause people to wonder, and in turn, he'd, it would open the door for him to preach the gospel powerful. And, and so Billy's not weird to me. <laughs> now he might, he might be to some of you. You know, I counseled a young 14-year-old teenager not long ago. He might even be here this morning. He's a, he's a family member of this church. <clears throat> Hearing all these voices in his head, telling him to kill himself. It's, it's a common thing. As a youth pastor, I dealt with suicide all the time, cutting All that stuff. And I said, oh, you're hearing voices? I said, well, that's not a bad thing. You just got to learn to hear the right voice. Because he'd already been to the psych ward. And if the world has its way, it'll numb him out on drugs and tell him he's crazy. But when you have a mutual experience, and you're in a culture that thrives on the supernatural and the more of God, it's normal. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10:17. Notice hearing and hearing. Hearing and hearing. So you have to be listening so that you can hear what God wants to say. And this scripture is all in the context of hearing from another preacher. Go read it. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring the gospel of peace. And then it goes on to say that the voice of the Lord has gone all throughout the world because he sent messengers and heralders, heralders so that no one has an excuse. But here's the fascinating thing about this scripture. This word for word is the word rhema, which means the breath of God. So what happens is, as living epistles, God breathes on us. And then when I preach the word to you, the Bible and God's revelation, information and revelation, you get your own rhema. So you stop living on mine. Now I speak to you and your wheels, everybody's wheels should be spinning right now to take hold of what I'm teaching you and telling you should be captivated to hear God's voice for yourself to apply what I'm teaching you because I'm not teaching you to just, I'm owning a message that I live and it's for you because I love you and I prayed and said, God, give them a rhema word from heaven because it will cause your faith. And that word come, if you look up the word cometh, it means a progressive growth strategy. And so if you get out of the word and you stop hearing the word and you disengage yourself and stop having experiences, you know what'll happen? Your faith will diminish. And when your next adversity comes and your next hardship comes, your next difficult situation comes, which it will, you'll back down, you'll retreat, or you'll shrink back. Or you won't have the verbiage and the words and the strength and the confidence to overcome it. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. Today is tomorrow's yesterday. What I do today is preparing me for tomorrow, and the experiences that I have each day should be making me stronger to overcome every conflict and adversity that comes in front of me. Amen. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about today. Everybody say today. today. The Bible has a lot to say about today, especially in the context of hearing his voice. Hebrews three twelve through 14. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice or the sound. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This word beware, go back to the first verse. This word beware is an incredible word. In many other places in the New Testament, the word beware is written out as take heed. Taking heed and being aware, think of be aware. The first thought when you hear beware is caution, caution, warning, warning. And yes, there's some truth to that. But the deeper understanding of the word beware is to pay close attention. It's another word that maybe you've never heard before. You guys know I like to teach you a new word every now and then, right? How many of you heard, have heard the word descry? D-E-S-C-R-Y. One, Describe. Google it. Now I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> the word describe means to see by looking carefully. It means to discern. And it in particular represents in context to look at something that's at a far off distance that's unclear that you have to examine closely. How about something in the road way up ahead that you don't know what it is? Or out on the water, looking across the bay. Or in the sky. Have you ever looked at something and you're like, that is weird. What is that? That's describe. That's you paying close attention to try to understand and discern something that's coming your direction or that you fully don't know what it is. Okay? In the Hebrew understanding, it means to perceive to feel and to experience by discovery. And because I've experienced so much by discovery, I'm now able to be more aware of what God's saying and doing because I've paid close attention and I continue to. Because the context of this is more of a warning. It's like be close, pay close attention and be fully aware so that something doesn't happen to you. It means eyes wide open all the time. Mostly in your spiritual mind. Mostly, but it's both. I'm paying close attention with my physical eye and I'm paying close attention with my spiritual eye. So let me give you a summary of this word because I like it and I like to teach. Just listen to this. I take heed or I be aware. Be aware by keeping my natural and my spiritual eyes wide open at all times. I pay close attention to see things that seem unclear or distant so I can discern what I'm seeing accurately, especially those things that could cause me to doubt, unbelief, or allow evil into my heart and in turn cause me to walk away from the faith or depart from the living God. Once I perceive what I'm seeing, my spiritual senses kick in and I either accept it or I reject that experience based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in this case, in this case, both accepting and rejecting brings transformation to my life because I've discerned properly. So it doesn't matter whether I accept or reject because I'm being aware and I'm discerning and I'm looking closely and intently at every experience, every situation. Amber said, why do you think these things are happening to you? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I just need to go sit at the feet of Jesus to get some answers and figure out what in the world is going on. The level of of adversity and hardship has been so high for so long that I'm just baffled. But then God takes me back to the scripture that says, think it not strange. And I've thought on that. So I know that think it not strange means don't let it establish a resort and take up lodging in your brain. Because here's what the lie of the enemy says. You're broken. This isn't worth it. This is going to be your whole life. And then he says, you should just quit pastoring that church. And I go, aha. I've heard that before. Not going to happen, devil. You're a liar. And so you learn to discern. Everybody say, learn to discern. And so go back to Hebrews 3.12. What are you to be aware of? Every day you're to beware. What are you to beware of? Look at the scripture. Doubt, unbelief, straying away, deception, hardened hearts, rebellion, which is sin. It's all a pattern. It's all a process. It's a slow fade. Seriously. Before you know it, you wonder what happened. I used to be so this and I used to be on fire, and I used to be, hear God's voice. I'll tell you what happened. It's the same with marriage. The honeymoon experience only lasts for about so long. And it's work, and it's full of love and joy, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's hard. And you know what? It takes consistent daily pursuit and a lifetime. And it's not always the mountaintop. And every married couple should have said amen to that. Let's go to the next scripture, verse 14. Look at this scripture. However, we become partakers with Christ. You know what it means to be a partaker? A partaker means a partner that shares together in life experiences just like mutually benefiting with one another. We become partakers with Christ or a partner And we hear his voice daily if we hold the beginning of our confidence from beginning to end, from day one to your last day. So notice that confidence comes when we become born again and give our life to Christ. So from the very beginning, we gain authority and I should have confidence. When I first gave my life to Jesus and went all in and was authentically born again, I had this this great confidence in the Lord. But that confidence is to remain to the end. So we'll partake with Christ if we remain confident, but I'm confident because of the experience I had. My past experience brings supernatural confidence and now I have to stay in the pocket of confidence all the days of my life and never back down. And guess how long I have to stay confident? How long do you have to stay confident? The end is the end. I mean, I don't know when your end is, some can be shorter than others. But until Jesus comes back, God wants you to remain confident and to be a partaker with Christ every day. It means a partner. Actually, the word partaker in the Greek is the word periklisos. It means, a, it means to come alongside and comfort us with what the Holy Spirit does. Now Jesus becomes your partner and your aid and the one that strengthens you every day, every step of the way, all the way to the end. Not only are we to hold, it's like hold, hold, hold. But we're also to encourage one another every day. Because there's an understanding that you can't do it alone. And that's why the scripture is so profound because not only are you to hold your confidence, but now I'm supposed to comfort and encourage. Some of you aren't high encouragers. My wife's not an over-the-top encourager. That's not one of her top love languages. It is for me. God does that purposefully, and we we mesh well together. We both have to work to speak each other's language. But in the Bible, encouragement has a lot of meanings. It means to comfort. It means to aid. It means to support. It means to come alongside. It means to instruct. It means to teach. (coughs) It's a lot of meanings to the word encourage. So we're supposed to be doing that for one another when... I think it was a couple of verses back or last verse. How? How often? While well, it's called what? When? Every day. When is today? When is today, guys? Is it tomorrow? Today will be yesterday. Tomorrow. None of us were designed to go through life alone. We have to have each other. And instead of beating each other when we're down, we're supposed to uplift and encourage and strengthen each other with confidence, love, hope, and assurance of the gospel of peace. We grow from faith to faith. It's a two-step process. The whole case, if you you want a two-point message, let me give it to you. Faith to Faith. Look at this scripture, Romans 1, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek, which is great news because that means everybody. For in the righteousness of, God, for in it, in what? The gospel of peace, the righteousness of God is revealed. The word revealed is the word apocalypto. it means to lift the lid. It's the napalm bomb of the Holy Spirit coming into your life. If you've ever seen, a po- it's an old war movie, Apocalypse Now. The, the mindset is this, God, in the gospel of peace, the right, God reveals himself and his righteousness is hidden in the gospel of what? Turmoil? The gospel of destruction? The gospel of, no, it's the gospel of peace. As it is written, the just or says, righteousness of God is revealed. How's it revealed? Two-step process. And guess how often that two-step process happens? It never ends. It's cyclical. From faith to faith to faith to faith to faith. Every day, your faith grow stronger because you've gotten greater revelation of the gospel of peace through experience and understanding of who God is and what he's done and now your fortitude and resilience and your strength become stronger so you don't live the way you lived yesterday and I'll never give up on you and I won't back down on you ever you keep coming you keep listening you keep growing and you don't back down and you don't put your hope and trust and faith in man the Bible says let God be true and every man a liar but it also doesn't mean I discount man because I need preachers I need Guys like Kevin Leal to come and impart a spiritual experience so I get more established. That's why I bring in these special speakers. I don't have them just for the fun of it. And then you one day become the special speaker. You become the, the woman or the guy that goes to that home group. Every day you're a minister bringing a spiritual experience. You don't, don't think churches and pulpits. Think homes, houses, office cubicles, wherever you work. He does it in you so he can do it through you. I love that. Kevin Leo, classic right there, okay? So the gospel brings the power of God to rescue, deliver, defend, protect. That's what salvation is, by the way. It means he rescued you, he delivered you, he defended you, he protects you, he restores you, and he makes you whole. That's what Sozo is. Just to find that for you. I just talk about it all the time. We think of this salvation as this just instant, bam, dah, yeah, you're a new creation, but it's so much deeper than that. He pulled you out of your pit of dysfunction. He set you free by driving out all the demons in your life because I had demons in my life and my deliverance didn't have to look like mouth foaming at the mouth, but some people does. It does look like that. Once I closed the doors and renounced my hidden ways of shame and commanded the devil to leave by the blood of Jesus, He was gone. Oh, but he tried to come back. He still tries to come back. He tries to come back the hardest right after you get your deliverance, by the way. So in the gospel, God reveals ongoing understanding, ongoing understanding, everything about himself in a continuous two-step process. So we don't know what tomorrow holds, which is why today is so important. Every day without an experience with God and his love and his presence is like a missed meal or two missed meals. In fact, the most nutritious life source that you need in nourishment to grow and become is what you skipped. It's a day robbed. You were robbed. So it's my past experiences and past encounters and past healing and past deliverance that gives me the strength and confidence to overcome future adversity. Otherwise, I'd just give up. And giving up's not an option. And sometimes some of you want to give up. Sometimes some of you feel like you can't go on another day. Sometimes we're told our life isn't valuable. It's not worth living. If you killed yourself, no one would even know. Huge deceptive lie. going to stop right there because i have more but i feel like right now what needs to happen is i want to provide an opportunity for you to have an experience with the lord you know when we i love how churches have have changed the name to their services to worship experiences the problem is is most churches calling themselves worship experience there's not really an experience but what I've learned about experiences is that there's something about a desperate heart. There's something about a heart that says, I want you, Lord, and I understand why now. And the story that I was gonna read to you, and, I, and I'm not going to, you can go read it on your own and I might read it next week and I might do it next service, is 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. You had this incredible picture of Saul and the army in distress and fear, and you had a little 15, 16-year-old boy, however old he was, somewhere in his, early, his late teens, pre-puberty, no battle, no army battle training. Based on past experiences, not even thinking Twice. all from playing a harp and taking care of the sheep and seeing God's power against a lion and a bear. And all of you have a lion and a bear in your life. And you know what happens when you kill the lion and the bear? There's a Goliath right around the corner. And you know what happens when you kill the Goliath? There's a Hebron, then there's a Jerusalem. And the whole time there's armies facing you on every side to kill you. And David would spend most of his time not in the battlefield, but in a tabernacle. It's all stand.